In the spring of 2013, I was sitting in a class that, I'll be honest, I was not that excited to be sitting in at seminary. We were sitting in there, and the the, the teacher who was was just kind of talking about, I honestly don't remember what, what he was talking about, and all of a sudden, one of my classmates, Jack Knight, now Father Jack Knight, started screaming, we have white smoke, we have white smoke. Now, you might be wondering, what does that mean? What it meant was he wasn't paying attention during class. He was watching his laptop to see if we were going to get a new pope, which I kind of don't blame him for that. So, nonetheless to say, he starts screaming that, and we commit, we, I mean, we just immediately start screaming and yelling and we run up and we just leave class. They didn't even dismiss us. It was like the most mutinous act I've ever done in my life. I just, we, just, we just ran out. We ran to the TV, went to go see what this white smoke was all about, and went to go see the face of our new Pope, Pope Francis. And I remember waiting and waiting and waiting. I don't know if y'all remember this. I don't know if y'all remember this actually, but it took like 45 minutes for him to come out. Anyway, as we were waiting, we, he finally came out, and we were all excited. We'd never heard, about, or heard of this guy. We were very interested in, you know, what he was all about, what he was going to do. And I remember after he kind of introduced himself as Francis, and after everyone had cheered and all that, he's out there on the balcony of St. Peter's Basilica speaking to something like 500,000 onlookers, all excited, all, all ready to kind of cheer him on. And he does something that absolutely seized everyone's heart. What he did was he said, now I too am a man, a weak man, and I need you to pray for me. Something no pope had ever done before on the balcony of St. Peter's whenever he was elected. And so before he blessed that mass of people, he lowered his head and let everyone in our Father and a Hail Mary, and a glory be all for his pontificate, to, to pray for him. And I would argue that was one of the greatest PR stunts Pope Francis had ever done, because at that moment he seized the hearts of every onlooker imaginable. He recognized him immediately for the beauty of his humility. Here we are, we have the Vicar of Christ, which means he answers to no human person on the planet. The only person he answers to is a divine person, is Jesus Christ. And yet, he made it a decision to lower himself and implore his human family to pray for him. A supreme act of humility, which is why it was so moving and why so many people were fascinated by this man. But what's really interesting about this act was that this was a profoundly Christ-like act. Because that's exactly how Christ began his ministry. That's how Christ started his life out, his public life. By subjecting himself to another person. By being baptized. I don't think we often realize kind of what an odd thing baptism is. The Greek word for baptism... Oh, I'll admit, I don't know the Greek word for baptism. But what I hear the Greek word for baptism is, is literally translated, it means to plunge. Which means whenever we talk about John the Baptist, we're actually talking about John the Plunger. 
And so here we have Jesus, the Lord of Lord, the King of Kings, going to John the Plunger, like he owns a plumbing company, and says, baptize me. Literally, plunge me. Where? Into the River Jordan. Now, guys, I don't know if you've ever been to the Holy Land, but let me tell you something. The River Jordan makes the Vermilion River look drinkable. All right? I know. I know. I said it. All right? It looks like coffee. It is. I mean, even in the biblical times, Nabus said, what good can, you know, how can anybody be washed by the River Jordan? And he's right. It's not a very clean river. But what does he insist on? He insists on being plunged into that river. What, and what does that do? It, it warms the hearts of his onlookers, but I would argue that it eases their minds. Because the reason why he plunges himself, he allows himself to be plunged into the river, is, as he says, to fulfill all righteousness. Now, there's a question. What on earth does that mean? To fulfill all righteousness. This is God. This is Jesus. Jesus did not sin. Why does he need to be baptized? Why? Because that's what John the Baptist did. He re- repent and be baptized. Well, he doesn't need to repent. So then that's the question is why do, and how does this fulfill all righteousness? And I would argue it fulfills it in more ways than this, but I'll argue just for, for, for four ways in which it fulfills all righteousness. In the first way, as we have in, in, today's, in today's first reading, Whenever, whenever Jesus rises from, from the waters, what does he hear? He says, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And what does, what does that echo? It echoes our first reading. Isaiah 42, verse 1. What does it say? Here is my servant whom I uphold. My chosen one whom I, with whom I am pleased. Upon whom? I have put my spirit. What happens in today's gospel? We hear Jesus being told that he is God's beloved son with whom he is well pleased and he sees the spirit coming down upon him. What does that mean? What does that signify? It signifies that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. That Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the savior of the world. Isaiah 11.2, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And that's exactly what happens. But there's another thing that's interesting. That's the first thing, that he's the Messiah. The second is that Jesus is a new Isaac. Interesting, interesting thing. In Genesis 22, verse 2, Isaac is referred to as the beloved son of Abraham. That's the only time in the scriptures Whenever a man is referred to as a beloved son. That's it. There's no other time whenever we have a beloved son until we get to Jesus Christ. But what's interesting about Isaac is Isaac was supposed to be sacrificed on Mount Moriah. Anybody know where Mount Moriah is? Rhetorical question. You don't have to answer. I'll answer it for you. Mount Moriah is Jerusalem. Which means that whenever, whenever Abraham led Isaac up to Mount Moriah to be sacrificed, he was prefiguring the Christ, whose prefigurement is echoed right here in the gospel. So in other words, Jesus is the new Isaac. But there's another one, the one that you and I often don't talk about. 
And this one's one of the cooler aspects of this whole story. That Jesus is the new Noah. Jesus is the new Noah. We don't often talk about Noah because it's such a, uh, a, a kind of a, a dramatic story. But there's a lot of symbolism in the life of Jesus and the life of Noah. Here's what St. Cyril of Jerusalem says. Oh, look, it's, I promise you, it's going to be okay. It's not going to be that bad. All right. Just as salvation came in the time of Noah, by the wood and the water, and there was the beginning of a new creation. And as the dove came back to Noah, in the beginning with an olive branch, so they say, the Holy Spirit came down on the true Noah, the author of the new creation. When the spiritual dove came down upon him at his baptism to show that he is the one who by the wood of the cross confers salvation on believers and who toward the evening by his death gave the world the grace of salvation. In other words, there's three elements in the story of Noah and the story of Jesus that line up perfectly. The wood of the ark, the wood of the cross. The water of the flood, the water of the Jordan. And the dove bearing good news in the story of Noah. And the dove representing the Holy Spirit in the baptism of Jesus. In other words, the flood came in Noah to wipe out the sinful people of humanity. The baptism comes through Jesus to wipe out our sinfulness within our hearts. Noah gives us a second creation, a second kind of earthly creation, a second chance at earthly life. Jesus gives us a second chance at eternal life. Jesus is the new Noah. And that's where this this beautiful act of baptism kind of is seen in a a more pure way, is that through the eyes and lens of Noah, a second chance at eternal life. There's a third image, a third kind of that identity that Jesus has in the baptism. And that is, the, the, excuse me, not a third, a fourth. And that is the new Moses. Moses, especially in crossing the Red Sea. St. Ambrose points out there's three components whenever it comes to Moses in the Red Sea. Moses the sea, and the pillar of cloud. Moses, the sea, and the pillar of cloud. St. Ambrose says that Moses represents Jesus, the sea represents the river Jordan, and the pillar of cloud represents the Holy Spirit, anointing and leading the Israelites. And what St. Ambrose points out so beautifully, is he says that what else are we taught that every day with reference to this sacrament then that sinfulness is drowned and error abolished, whereas piety and innocence pass through unscathed. In other words, what he points out is that in in Jesus receiving baptism, he's showing us through Moses, through Isaac, through Noah, through the fact that he is the Messiah, That we have a second chance. That we too can be like Adam and live forever. That we too have a shot at eternal salvation. And so my dear friends, that is the beauty of today's feast. That is the beauty 
of Jesus' baptism, where Jesus, the king of the world, decides to humbly be plunged into the River Jordan to start his ministry in order to show you and I that we have another shot. In order to warm our hearts, knowing that our leader too is humble, that our leader is not here to rule over us, but also our leader is here to ease our minds and recognize and show us we need not worry. We are God's beloved sons and daughters and that we have a second chance, a second chance at eternal life.